You're listening to My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. Each episode, we look at the topics that can make our working lives difficult and explore how you can take action to improve things. We want to help you move from simply surviving work to thriving at work. My Pocket Psych is brought to you by Work Life Psych, a team of workplace psychologists who are experts in coaching, training, and structured development programs. You can find out more about how we help people grow and develop at work by visiting our website, worklifepsych.com. Hello and welcome to episode number 50 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon, and I'm joined as ever by my co-host, Pilar Ortiz. Pilar, how are you doing today? I am very well, and Richard, happy 50th episode. <laughs> well done. We made it. We made it to 50 episodes. It's been great. Didn't think we'd get here when we started with number one. Yes. 50s felt like a very, very long journey, but here we are. We've made it. So thank you very much to you. Thank you very much to the listeners and uh, also to Ross, who you don't hear from when you're listening to this, but you can tell he's involved because Ross uh, polishes and edits whatever I say into this microphone into something that turns into a podcast episode. So thank you very much, Ross, for uh, making us sound so good. And I'm glad that you have been able to bring quite a few guests also, especially for those times where we couldn't get together to record because that it really makes it makes such a difference, the variety of voices. Absolutely. And also, you know, people who are experts um, in their field to add, add that variety, but also add that different perspective. And so, uh, yeah, we've had a lot of flexibility <laughs> now. We've put this together, but I think we've had to. Um, so speaking of which, I'm recording this 50th Bonanza episode in, in the office, not from the home office. So uh, it might sound a little bit different and we've already had some noise in the background. So hopefully uh, it won't be too disturbing for this episode. I was going to say that a helicopter was a great way of celebrating the 50th episode, not something you get every uh, yeah. day. <laughs> this is take two, yeah. Why? Oh, this one, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, helicopter isn't, uh, isn't an ideal background sound. Anyway, the, the challenges of recording in central London. So listen, let's begin our episode by, as ever, looking at some news and updates. So first of all, we've had some feedback. Uh, I posted a link to episode number 48, which was all about looking at digital and analog approaches to managing your own development. Uh, I put that out on, on LinkedIn. I, I put it out on a few places, but on LinkedIn, I had a, a couple of responses back. Um, one was from Suzanne Condes, who wrote, I still love the look and feel of a notebook. You can draw and be creative. Uh, I have a stash of old notebooks I still look over. I also have a stash of notebooks, which is getting bigger and bigger. I keep buying them. Um, and Paul Smith, uh, who featured on the episode, uh, just dropped a note at the end of that and said, I loved our discussion, Richard. In the end, I think we agreed on having the right tools for the right job. And with personal development, the right mix for digital and analog is pretty key. So, you know, I think that was the summary of our discussion. There's no perfect answer to this digital versus analog debate. It's about having the right mix um, and, and using it with intent. It shouldn't be something that stops you from engaging with your personal development. Yeah, and I love that in that uh, conversation also, I hadn't thought of 
maintaining a record of your learning journey to look back on. So I think it was when you were both talking about using digital tools and something that you can almost store a lot of information in, but mm. also if you have lots of notebooks and actually having made those learning reflections and notes, etc., at some point to come back to it and see how far you've got. And I'd never thought of doing that with, um, and that being a reason for uh, taking more notes and, and just being more conscious about my learning journey. Mm. It's something I talk about a lot in coaching where I, I emphasize with the coachee the benefits of keeping a coaching journal so they're able to make a note of what it is they're working on and, and how they're doing that because well I use the analogy of looking in the mirror you know um, you look in the mirror every morning uh, when you're getting ready for the day and you don't therefore notice the changes in you over time but if you were able to go back and see a picture of you in the mirror from a year before you probably would notice some differences in you. And so that's the benefit of having this record of what you've felt and thought and done, that it's not, um, it, 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 it's not dependent on our fallible memories, let's put it that way, where we might re-remember things or completely forget them, uh, of course. So having some kind of a record is really good, especially when it comes to developing skills and confidence, because you can look back and and, and relive the, oh, I'm worried about this, or this makes me feel anxious, and realize you've come a long way from past you to the present day. And another point I really liked, and listeners do, if you haven't listened to episode 48 with uh, Richard and Paul, and his really interesting conversation, I really like his point about um, when we're thinking about development. And I loved also that, the, of course, the conversation started with analog versus digital, and it, of course, evolved into something a lot more holistic, was this idea of building the learning network and being very mm. deliberate in finding that, growing that throughout your career. And again, it's not something that um, that I usually think about or hear others think about. Yeah, and, and I think it's a very specific example of having a good professional network. It's the people that you can learn from and, and have explicit learning conversations Um I think most professionals wouldn't mind a colleague asking them how they've developed certain skills or if they can share those skills or if they can just share their perspective. Um, it's, it's not the same as I need you to do this for me kind of conversation. So being, being explicit and deliberate in that is, uh, is a really useful tool in the professional development toolkit. So, uh, I've identified a, a couple of, um, links to share with you in the, well-being news department. I listened to a great episode of the Gadget Lab podcast. It's one I listen to every week and it's it's kind of uh, varied in content. I mean, it all comes down to technology, but they normally have some really wide-ranging conversations about technology in society. And the episode was titled, It's Time to Put Down Your Phone. So um, it was all about, I mean, the, the, the majority of this episode features an interview with a writer who's um, written a book about her own experience of taking time away from technology once a week. And she's done this, uh, her name is uh, Tiffany Schlein, and she's done this in, in a quite structured way. So she, she describes herself as someone who's Jewish but not religious, so she doesn't adhere to a lot of the practices. But because of her background, she decided to call this a tech Shabbat, one day a week when they're not using modern technology, um, the really modern 
you know, uh, phones and computers and tablets and so on, and going back to slightly older ways of doing things. So some of the examples she shares are getting a landline installed in their home so that you have a phone call at a phone in a fixed place in the house. Um, if traveling to a new place, ensuring that they print out maps ahead of the journey instead of relying on their smartphones and, and GPS and so on. And um, obviously having device-free meals and uh, listening to uh, music on vinyl rather than digital. And I think, you know, this isn't going to work for everybody. But I think what I liked about this discussion, and I'd really encourage people to have a good listen to it, it was this slow dawning, this realization that she had, that actually there was so much of her time spent using technology, it was taking away, uh, taking her away from what she really valued, which was time with other people. They might have been in the same place, but they weren't engaging. And she felt that technology was coming between them. So she's written a book about this experience. Um, she, you know, she's not um, a, a psychologist that, you know, we would potentially have on the podcast, but I thought it was a really nice perspective on doing something a bit different to consciously make a change about how you use these, these pieces of technology. Yeah, and relating it back to the whole learning experience and taking uh, control or, or looking after your own learning and your own growth. I think, as I was listening to you, I'm thinking also, it's quite good to disconnect and use different kinds of things to guide us, to, uh, to inform us. So, for example, when you're talking about printing a map, that's a different experience than following the GPS on the phone, for example. And mm, it's, mm. it's just, um, I think the, the, the brain works differently depending on what we're engaging with. So I think also as an exercise just to stay agile in our minds, um, it's, it also sounds good. Yeah, it's about approaching the same tasks in a different way, maybe using different tools, maybe not using tools at all. Mm. So as you can tell from my description, it wasn't a complete banning of all technology, because obviously a printer is a form of yeah. technology, but it was a case of a, a conscious decision to minimize it and have that one day a week when it wasn't front and center, but human relationships were front and center. So yeah, a really, a really nice episode of the Gadget Lab podcast. I can recommend it on an ongoing basis anyway, uh, but I've put the link in the show notes. So you can listen to that episode specifically. Now, also in wellbeing news, um, I've uh, just yesterday, I attended the British Psychological Society Work-Life Balance Working Group, uh, 10 year anniversary. That's a bit of a mouthful. So <laughs> 10 years ago within the British Psychological Society, a group of psychologists got together as a working group to look at the challenge of work-life balance uh, here in the UK. And as I was reminded yesterday, the first meeting took several hours and simply focused on should we be using the phrase work-life balance, which I think illustrates the challenge. If you get a bunch of psychologists in one room, <laughs> you might not make as much progress as you'd hoped, but it was a really useful debate. And I remember that debate. I was on this working group for a while and, and it was about, well, should we be talking about work versus life? Should we even be talking about balance and what does that mean? came down to the realization that like the word stress, it's in the popular lexicon. People are using it. Let's not alienate the average person by saying they shouldn't use that phrase, but let's make sure we, we're specific when we talk about this topic. Now, 
I can't summarize the whole afternoon's event uh, briefly enough, but I know we are going to return to this topic of work-life balance, and I'm hopeful I can get some of the participants from the day to come on and be interviewed for, for the show. But a couple of the things that really stuck with me as I uh, went home yesterday evening, my, my brain was still buzzing. But for one thing, it reminded me that I'm still really interested in this topic, still passionate about it, so that was lovely. But what they did was they reflected a conversation we've had on this podcast, which is that it's important to look at different populations. Mm. When you think about the workplace, it's not just people sitting at desks using computers. So some of the populations that researchers shared on the day to talk about their their own investigations included academics in France, included female lawyers in Nigeria. Um, it included people working in the performing arts. So very diverse subjects for these research projects, all undertaken in very different ways. Um, we, we, we'd, uh, people in um, working in zoos, you know, so not maybe what many people think of as the workplace, but they are workplaces for many, many people. So that, that was really, really nice to consider. Um, one of our key takeaways was, if we think about the next 10 years, um, we believe that we need to, to return to the essentials of job design, to look at how jobs are put together for people in a context, rather than looking at lots of sticking plasters that might help people cope with a badly designed job. Um, we're advocating that people go back to the essentials of, well, who decided what was in that job to begin with? And could we make it a human rewarding job uh, to do? Mm -hmm. And I, it's a really interesting um, angle. And uh, sorry, a really important thing to bring up the, the fact that it's such a diversity of the job populations, because as you say, even that term that is being used, work-life balance, whatever that is, it will look very differently to all the different people you were mentioning. So the mm. the, the performer, <laughs> for example, uh, how they lead their life is very different to the person who has a fixed schedule and goes into an office. So I think that's really good just to start to get to open. It really opens up the conversation also. It really does. And, 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 you know, a number of the speakers underlined the point that we need to look at society broadly. And, and as you make the point, work-life balance looks very different to different people. Um, you know, having time to relax and engage with your hobbies outside of the workplace might be work-life balance for um, you know, a middle class, class professional, but, but someone who is on zero hour contracts and is holding down multiple super flexible roles for different companies to make ends meet. Well, work-life balance is going to look and feel very different for them and, and could even be to their mind, a luxury. You know, they're literally trying to pay the bills by doing all of these different jobs. So work-life balance isn't really top of their list. Potentially it's job security. And so we need to remember that it's not just about time, it's not just about balance, but it is about the essentials of good work. And it's a function of the society that we're in, which is a whole bigger piece, um, taking a step back, you know, looking at policy, looking at the law, looking at how the national culture shapes how we view work. So as I say, difficult to summarize it all briefly for a little news slot, but it really enthused me. And, you know, this, this took place just after National Work Life Week 
here in the UK. So I'm going to link to a couple of blog posts I put out that week, just challenging this notion of work-life balance, but also uh, quite negatively, actually. So I then <laughs> followed it up with a post that was a little bit more, well, here's how you could look at it differently. Here's how you can get a bit of clarity. And the, the summary of that is it's about looking at the multiple roles you have, not balance between two roles, because we've all got multiple roles, even within one job. So I'll put links to those in there. It was a very work-life balancey week, but a, a really, really interesting one. So let's move on to our main uh, topic today, which is to talk about ourselves. No, it's to talk about 50 episodes <laughs> of this podcast. Do you want to miss out that other uh, article? I'm going to pick that one up next for time. For next time. Okay, actually. listeners, yeah, we have an yeah. article for next time. <laughs> yeah, hidden mystery article. But I'm I'm also mindful of time. This is one of my resolutions. I'm going to try and keep us, <laughs> episode keep us to time. <laughs> um, we're going to complete this within two hours. No. So, you know, we're, we're, we're 50 episodes. And I don't think when you and I sat down and recorded our first one, we thought about what we'd be talking about um, 50 episodes in. But what I thought I would do is look back at it a couple you know, a few of the things that have happened and get your input and um, what you've thought about this experience. But I thought I'd start by, by sharing uh, from our top secret downloads folder, what have been the, the top five uh, most downloaded episodes since we started. Um, Number five, um, <laughs> I feel like this is top of the pops, coming in at number five was actually episode two. So, of course, the numerate among the listeners will probably realize that the longer an episode has been around, the more likely it is to have been downloaded. But that's not the case for, for all of these. But episode number two was all about how to deal with email. We called it Help, I'm Drowning in Email. And that was our fifth most downloaded episode. Do you remember that one, Pilar? Do you remember discussing the challenges of email way back in episode number two? I do. And it still amazes me that uh, that is still so relevant with all the other communication stuff we've got around and all the other things that we're thinking about, because that was released on the 24th of October, oh, almost uh, two years ago, 2017. So, mm. But also it doesn't surprise me because I still hear it. I still hear people struggling with email. Email is, yeah, emails become that kind of joke, really. It is. And, and you know, it popped up at the work-life balance session yesterday. We were talking about what might be the challenges for the next 10 years of looking at this. And, and I flagged technology, you know, the, the dark side of technology for all of the advances and the advantages that technology gives us, it also comes with the downside. And email is a perfect example of that. You and I can communicate across time zones and across other side of the planet. But at the same time, it could be a huge source of stress for both of us in our job. And it's not the job itself. Mm. <laughs> it's work about work, right? Mm, yeah. Someone told so me I don't the, think it's going away. Someone told me the other day they'd been promoted to head of a department. And he, the first thing he said, well, I've got more emails. <laughs> Yeah, anyway. yeah, that's that will make you feel special. So our, our fourth most downloaded episode was episode one, um, where, if I recall, I basically read out a script about what we were going to do with this podcast. So that's why when, when people say, oh, you have a podcast, how can I find it? I direct them to the podcast, but I say, don't start at the beginning. <laughs> 
and whatever you do, don't listen to the first one. Uh, first tentative steps into the world of podcasting. So no surprise that the very first one has been downloaded a lot. <laughs> but the third most popular one um, was one of our productivity episodes, uh, which was all about procrastination. It was number episode seven. And we took a deep dive into the human experience of why we procrastinate, what that looks like, and what we can potentially do about it. And we've revisited the topic. And in fact, it's come up a couple of times, you know, as we've discussed topics like psychological flexibility. Um, I know why I think procrastination has been such a popular episode, but what do you think, Pilar? Why do you think this has been downloaded so many times in the last couple of years? I think because it's something that most people can relate to in certain kinds of jobs, especially. Uh, <laughs> so, and, and I think we always want to combat it. We always want to, well, okay, maybe I'll speak for myself. I always want to understand it. I want to be able to see how it's hindering me or helping me. So I think a lot of people can relate to that. I think it's part of our experience, isn't it? Mm. Um, I, I don't think anyone out there could say they have never procrastinated about something, you know, um, and we talked about the role of discomfort in our procrastination. So I think when people hear that word, they're intrigued because they hope maybe that there's a easy fix for it. And as we've discussed a few times, there's no easy fix, but there are things that we can do to identify the risks and do something about that procrastination. And actually at the, um, personal development meetup sessions that Paul Smith and I have, have been running. We, we did a session on procrastination and I have to say we had more interaction questions <laughs> and chat at that one than at any of the others. Um, it, it, it is something that a lot of people are bothered by and they want to do something about it. So another reason this is often downloaded is that I give it as a link to Koji's <laughs> say, you know what, you could have a listen to this. That could save us 40 minutes today. Um, and I do that from time to time with some of the episodes that have a strong theme where I think we've done a good job <laughs> and not meandered too much. But uh, that is one that keeps popping up whenever I look at the stats. Procrastination is up there um, pretty high each time. Mm -hmm. Number two on our list of top five was an episode uh, number 22, Relationships at Work, where um, we looked at the importance of getting along with people while also being tasked with getting ahead and performing to a high level. And I interviewed uh, two of my co-organizers of the Dublin Psychology and Business uh, Meetup. And I have to put my hand up and say, I've, I've stepped away a little bit from that for the, for the last couple of months due to workload and commitments. But, you know, that was one where I think a lot of people were interested in learning more about how to but understand and manage their workplace relationships. And that's kind of a root cause of a lot of the problems that we have at work, right? Yeah. And you don't see that, uh, especially that many podcasts uh, or even episodes addressing it also. I think, um, I think, yeah. So I, so I, yeah, I understand why it's been downloaded so often. We, we had a, an open question to our meetup group in Dublin way, way back. I think it was our very first meetup and we had a huge whiteboard and we gave everyone post-it notes and said, put down your ideas for what you would like us to cover in the future. Don't be limited by what we've said we can do. We'll try and find experts to come and join the meetup. And the number of people who put down something like, 
you know, getting along with a difficult boss or getting along with people I hate or difficult relationships, it, it was almost top of the pile. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, the fact that we're interdependent and nearly everyone works with someone in some way, relationships are really key to our experience of work. So it's no surprise to me um, that that is uh, so high in the list. And um, it was great to, to chat with the guys as well. Number one uh, was episode three, one of our earlier ones, but again, one that I refer a lot of people to when we talk about this topic. It was the first of our three episodes looking at the topic of psychological flexibility. And this one was about paying attention to now, developing the capacity to focus on the present, to be mindful, however you want to put it, but to minimize our tendency to daydream or to drift or to engage in mental time travel. And we had a good old discussion about that. And I've listened to it several times since because I've, you know, before recommending it to <laughs> someone, um, this was, this was early days, but I, I think this was an okay one to share. I think we'd almost, well, I had almost found my feet. Um, it's really of interest to people, I think, because in the discussions I've had anyway, people notice their ability to be distracted. And they notice the fact that focusing and paying attention to now is so difficult. It's different for different people, but a lot of it is about the environment they find themselves in. The workplace environment is one that's so full of distractions. And then their internal distractions, their worries, their concerns. We're back to, you know, going to the future, revisiting the past in our minds. So many people see this as something that they would like to work on. Mm -hmm. In my mind, I'm thinking ahead from a planning perspective, I'd really like to pull together an episode which is all about distractions. I've read a lot about it and I've heard a lot about it recently. So I think that could be something we could look at a little bit uh, further down the line. But for one of our first proper episodes, let's say, this is one that um, I'm delighted to see has been popular because it's uh, about a topic that I'm, I'm really passionate about. And going back to our earlier point about uh, the diversity in the workforce, this is something actually that it doesn't matter. I mean, like like procrastination, it, it really doesn't matter what um, what job you've got. Most of us know about the importance of paying attention to now. And like you say, how easy it is not to. So um, I'm mm -hmm. not surprised. Plus, I have to say that the term psychological flexibility is a wonderful term. If you don't know what it means, then you immediately go, oh, I want to know about that. <laughs> It sounds positive, doesn't it? Yes. It's not. Uh, sometimes psychological terms can sound quite harsh or mm. negative or scary even. Yeah. So I like that combination um, and it points to skills. So we're going to revisit that topic again. And we've got some great guests coming up over the next few months who are experts in this space of psychological flexibility. And we'll look at it from a few different perspectives. So if you enjoyed episode number three, you will definitely enjoy what's coming down the pipe over the next few months. We were also going to discuss, that's what the people have said, we're also <laughs> going to discuss what we thought were our favorite episodes or even just a discussion that we'd had on the podcast. Pilar, what do you think? What's been your favorite standout episode or discussion over the last couple of years? I've got a few, I have to say, so I'm going <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> listeners. Um, I'm going to go with um, 19, which was 19, episode 19 was the psychological contract and why it matters. And I think maybe it's um, 
well, I think it's a preference of theme that I, that is a theme that again, I'm really interested in, but it's not usually talked about in the circles when we're talking about uh, work as uh, the day-to-day interactions and getting on. So productivity is something, of course, that I hear a lot about, well-being, a lot, sleep, etc. But the psychological contract, um, very few people, we, we rarely talk even about the term, and I think it's so important. So I think that's why I enjoyed, in particular, that uh, conversation. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's, I think it's a really interesting topic, but once you explain it to someone, they realize, oh yeah, absolutely. I didn't know it was called that. I have that, but I didn't know what that term was. So now I have a word I can use to describe what's in my head. Yeah. And the other one I quite liked a few uh, episodes later was episode 25. What's holding you back from making progress on your development? And again, uh, talking about things like, values, uh, you mentioned discomfort. So really, I like it when we really go into depth in some into something. I mean, actually, we go into depth <laughs> on most things, but really thinking, okay, what is it when we really dig into what's holding us back? What's there? And um, yeah, I really enjoyed that one as well. Great. So two. Um, so I've got. So I've got, and then I've got. This is quite interesting. Forty-five, forty-six, and forty-seven, which are the latest that have been released at the time of recording today. I, I don't know. I really enjoyed five years of work like Psych because I got to understand your journey, and I think that's always <laughs> really interesting. And I'm sure listeners did too when you get to know the the host. And then I love the analog in a digital world. Again, we, I don't really have that conversation, and I really enjoyed. Um, also, the last one, uh, your conversation with Paul about that. So, yeah, lots of... Oh, and 45, which was your solo. My phone was my phone. Listeners do listen to that one. It's uh, it's great. <laughs> that was al- almost my therapeutic yes. episode, I think. <laughs> I was just releasing my phone-related angst upon the listenership. Um, oh, brilliant. So, you've, you've liked quite a few, so that's good. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> Um, my standout one for a number of reasons is the episode, we, we've looked at it twice. So two episodes where we looked at procrastination, one very early doors, as we've just said, episode seven, trying to better understand procrastination. And the other was as part of our productivity series, where we looked at it through the lens of being more proactive and, and persisting through discomfort. And it was looking at it through a slightly different lens. But what I, what I liked about those was that, um, it's such a common conversation I have in development contexts, either in a training session or in a one-to-one coaching session, that I'm able to say, well, look, everything you've, you've just said is completely true. If you don't believe me, you know, a year ago, I recorded a conversation about this and you can go and have a listen to it and it helps normalize it. And a lot of people will like to leave a training session and then have something to listen to afterwards. So as I say, I recommend it to people, but I think we really hit a nerve with this topic because it's so common. It's part of, you know, part of how nearly everyone sees the world from time to time. I have another one Ooh. though, which is where we talked about sleep <gasps> yes. uh, as part of our well-being series. And there's a bit of an odd reason for liking this. I mean, I'm very interested in the topic. Um, I, I think... When I talk about sleep in coaching contexts or in workshops, people are a bit surprised. Why are you asking me about my sleep or why are you interested in sleep? And I can completely explain the relevance to well-being or productivity or success and say, well, look here, we, we, we've done a whole episode on it. 
you know, it's a, it's a workplace psychology podcast, but we looked at the importance of sleep for your well-being and your productivity and all those other things. And there's some good science behind it, you know, so don't downplay it. It's, it's so important. And for the vast majority of us, it's, it's kind of more within your control than a lot of the other things that are going on. Building up good sleep habits is something that the vast majority of us can do. Those, those people who don't have uh, a sleep disorder that's been diagnosed, we can really improve the quality and the, the duration of our sleep. And when I've worked with people who've done that, you just see the huge difference in how they approach everything because they're not sleep deprived and the world looks very different. So I would say without, without being too, um, modeling about it or, or too overly positive about it, I think those conversations have, have really changed some people's lives fundamentally once they've managed to get a bit more sleep. So we've um, put a call out for feedback um, from our listeners. Now, we know you're listening and it can be a little bit difficult to get the feedback. Plus, we know a lot of our listeners are very busy people, but I was delighted to get feedback from a particular very busy person um, in Dublin. Um, actually, one of my clients, um, Lorraine O'Sullivan, is um, the uh, head of uh, people. I, it's not HR. I'm sorry, Lorraine, I've, I've misremembered your title, but uh, Group People Director at Dentu Ages Network in Dublin. And she's given me permission to share this and also identify her. So I've known her for a number of years and I asked her, you know, we're coming up to 50. I know you listen to it. What's What's been your takeaway? So she flagged up. Um, it's the productivity ones for me. I use the matrix and by that she means the Eisenhower matrix, the prioritization matrix all the time. And I've gone through it with others too, or I've directed them to the podcast. So again, that explains some of our listenership uh, numbers. Similarly, with procrastination, while I hate admitting it, I'm guilty of it, but I've caught myself more in terms of knowing I'm doing it. I think that's a great point because noticing that you're doing something is the first step to making some changes in it. And noticing is all about the present moment. So that's great that's hap that that's happening. I also asked her what she wants to hear more about in the future. So she said, in terms of hearing more, I think it would be around balancing priorities from multiple stakeholders. And maybe it's more about learning to say no and not damaging relationships. So again, that's a, a building on our discussions we've had already about how to prioritize your workload. And it's a really good point. We don't get work just from one person. We normally have multiple people asking us for things. So how do you balance those priorities? There's no one word answer for that. Sorry, Lorraine, but we will return to that in a, in a future episode because I think that deserves a bit of a conversation. So listeners, we do love to hear from you. We do take it on board. If you have feedback for us, if you have ideas about future episodes, you can tweet us at mypocketpsych or you can send us a longer message via the contact form at worklifepsych.com slash contact. But Pilar, you've had some input from listeners on a on a slightly different topic. Yeah, I asked uh, uh, I asked people how what books they would recommend to to our listeners around well the workplace thriving thriving at work and we had quite a few recommendations and actually I think it's some of them are books I hadn't heard of so always wonderful. So Matt Valentine said is uh, at Valentine seventy on Twitter just started rereading Oliver James. Office Politics, 
a delve into the world of how triadics, psychopathic Machiavellian narcissists, can often succeed in workplaces and how those of us around them can learn to manage them. So another um, thumbs up for anything to do with relationships. Uh, mm. It really struck me from Lorraine's point about how to say no without damaging relationships. So that's interesting. That's Oliver James' office politics. I have to say the cover looks really scary. <laughs> uh, the cover. The, it's it's a dark book. <laughs> yes, the sub the subtitle is very scary. Have you read it, uh, Richard? I have. You um, have quite a while ago. Quite oh. a while ago. Yeah, yeah. That was a blast from the past. Right. So that is uh, Matt. Then uh, we had an author recommending his own book, but why not? I think uh, he thought it was uh, um, suitable because of his title. So Scott Dawson has written How to Thrive in a Distributed Workplace. So um, yes, so that's his recommendation. And finally, uh, Tim Burgess at Plan. Net Burgess in uh, t- on Twitter, he says he's just finished No Hard Feelings, which is an excellent guide to emotion within the work fl- uh, workplace with lovely, fun illustrations. So interesting. I've got one more. <laughs> so that's another book. We- we'll put links to these in the show notes, won't we? Absolutely. Yeah, great. So finally, let me just scroll up the Trello. Uh, Isaac Garcia, he uh, he said, I recently reread The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. It is about your morning routine and the power it has to life your entire day. I suppose it's too light. I know it has helped me come to work ready to go. Also both Atomic Habits by James Clear and High Energy Habits by Bill Ford are excellent books on the power of healthy habits. Finally, I regularly go back to Do More Great Work by Michael Stainer when I need to be reminded to choose passion and importance in my daily work. So, um, and we've also got something that you can listen to from Isaac. Hey there, this is Isaac Garcia. Happy to share some book recommendations with you. Recently, I reread The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. It's about setting up your morning routine and the power of habit. That is a great way to get your day started. I highly recommend it. If you haven't read it, check it out. The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. Fantastic book. Gets me booted up in the morning and ready to go to work. Also, you could read Atomic Habits by James Clear and also High Energy Habits by Bill Ford. They're both excellent examples of uh, ways you can get your habits in order and uh, really just organize your life. And finally, a uh, classic for me, a Do More Great Work by Michael Stainer. Um, it's a really good reminder of what great work is and that we should be looking for it at work and not just settling for good work or worse, bad work. We should really be looking for the great work in our lives and be trying to maximize our opportunities to do that great work. So there are some great books, Miracle Morning, Hal Elrod, Atomic Habits by James Clear, High Energy Habits by Bill Ford, and Do More Great Work by Michael Stainer. Hope you guys enjoy them. Thanks. So that's it, Richard. These are the books that uh, other people are recommending. So listeners, if you do uh, read any of those, or if you would like to recommend other books to our listeners, please get in touch. <laughs> Worklifesite.com yeah, for the contact form. Thank you, everyone who got in touch with us there. I've got some things to add to my reading list. Um, <laughs> some I've encountered already. Um, I can't recommend anything uh, that I haven't read, but it's really nice to, to hear from people yeah. sharing their things. And they don't have to be books either. You know, if you encounter an article, uh, a news story or a video, and you think it could be 
you know, relevant to our listenership, do do send it in to us. We we'd, we'd love to hear about that. I am. Um, I've actually read Atomic Habits uh, earlier this year, the James Clear book, and it's quite an interesting exploration of the power of small habits to make big changes, and also how to set habits that are going to stick with you. Uh, and this notion of habit stacking, yeah. you know, adding new habits to existing ones, is quite interesting. I, it, it's a nice book. Um, and it's one of those books I think that people could read and not realize they were reading a psychology book. I mean, that is a compliment. <laughs> it's, uh, it's quite practical. And uh, I think that's the kind of thing that people could find very useful rather than some of the reinvent your life type, you know, yeah. um, personal help books. This is very step by step. Here's how to make change. So uh, we've had feedback. We've had some recommendations on, on things that people can read. We've heard a little bit about what we're planning to do in upcoming episodes. Um, Pilar, we made it to 50, Whoa. relatively unscathed. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> so listen, what are you hoping for across, let's say, it, our next 50 episodes? What would be a win or a success for you? For me... Yeah. That question wasn't in the show notes, <laughs> Richard. I know, it's, it's called spontaneity. <laughs> well, I would like to have more in-depth conversations. I'd also like to ha have more light conversations, like the ones we have. Um, and I, what I'm really enjoying is uh, the first bit of the episodes where we look at articles or things that are happening, because then... It brings other voices in. It's always nice to to say, oh, I agree with that because, and all of that. It brings another level into the, well, not another level, but another layer. It brings another mm. layer onto the, the show. So I would love that. I also would love listeners to challenge us. Uh, as uh, as a very long time ago, somebody said, yeah, you've got only one type of worker in mind. And yeah. that was such a light bulb moment, I have to say. And it really rippled through our other episodes and through our thinking around the, the show and with some of the comments we make. So I'd love listeners to challenge us more. Um, if you want to tell us you love what we're doing, that's great as well. But And also anything that you think other listeners might be interested in. We're like this kind of vehicle in that way. So that's what I'm hoping. What about you? I, I'd echo all of that. Um, input from others. I'm looking forward to some great conversations with um, guests, some of which uh, I know are great because I've already recorded them. So we're, <laughs> we're going to be dropping them into the feed. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to learning as well because I've learned a lot in, in uh, doing these last 50 episodes. It's forced me out of my comfort zone on a few topics. And uh, I look forward to more feedback. Tell us what you like. Tell us what's working. And as uh, Pilar said, Tell us what, why you think we're wrong. And we'd love to have some debates about these topics because it's not written in stone. It's our perspective. So, Pilar, we're at the end of our 50th episode. Uh, another big thank you to you. Thank you to Ross. Um, I think we'll wrap it up there while we're congratulating ourselves. <laughs> uh, never mind recommending your own book. We've recommended a series of our own podcast episodes. But anyway, <laughs> that's the end of that. Um, as ever, everybody listening to this, thank you so much for taking your valuable time to listen to us. Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at worklifepsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com contact. Thanks for listening.